Hi, I'm Ramey. I'm Rick. And I'm John. And this is Say the X, where two anime virgins and one superfan watch Hunter x Hunter episode by episode. This podcast contains spoilers, so if you want to avoid them, watch along with us. Episode 5, Hisoka is so sneaky. Gon, Kilua, Leorio, and Karapika continue their run through Swindler's Swamp. Kilua senses that being around Hisoka is dangerous. He and Gon move closer to the front. Many of Swindler Swamp's predators attack the applicants. The Oreo and Karapika narrowly escape from a fanged sauropod with strawberries growing out of its back. They run into a group of martial artists threatening Hisoka, who kills them all in a single move. He then challenges Leorio and Karapika to a fight. They run in opposite directions. Hisoka does not pursue. Gon and Kilua are swallowed by a giant frog and escape using Tonpa's laxative juice to make it throw up. Gon leaves Kiloa to search for his friends. Leorio has refused to run and attacks Hisoka. Gon saves Leorio by hitting Hisoka in the face with his fishing line. But not before Leorio is punched out by Hisoka. Gon's attacks are futile against the agile clown. What a clown he is. He finally caught by Hisoka. A few moments later, he's let go, and Hisoka declares that Gon and Leorio have passed his test. I didn't know he was an examiner. He carries off Leorio. Gon and Karupika discuss the encounter on their way to the site of the second phase of the Hunter exam. I'm going to kick this off with an opening question. Did this make you think differently about any of the core characters, and I'm including Hisoka in this in this question? I think a little bit about uh, Karapika. I think the plan to run away in opposite directions is a solid plan. It was a super smart plan. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like he knows that Leorio goes back. Um, and he doesn't go back to help Leorio. Uh, he just keeps on kind of uh, running away. And that was uh, not overwhelmingly surprising, but it, uh, it it's almost like the, the roles were reversed. Like a couple of episodes earlier... If they had run the opposite ways, you would have expected Karapika to, like, maybe be the one who wanted to stay and fight. Yeah, so, I don't know, like, I I was really confused by Hisoka. Um, I still don't like him. I don't think you're supposed to like him, though. I think he's just a compelling character, even though he's he's terrifying and awful. Yeah, definitely terrifying, definitely awful. Um, I am a bit more sympathetic for Leorio. Um, based on the encounter with Hisoka. Uh, and, and also, like, who the heck is Hisoka to be testing them? The, the whole self-importance thing that I've had against Leorio since episode one kind of now got pushed on Hisoka because um, either he's a plant and he's actually supposed to be testing people or he's just even more self-important than Leorio is. Well, I think he obviously is very confident in himself and considers himself very worthy of being a hunter and very worthy of kind of being there. But more than anything, like uh, Leorio's kind of bravado early on felt like a projection um, and kind of almost like a defense mechanism. But uh, Hisoka is not faking any of it. I mean, he kills all those guys with a single move which was a little kind of disappointing and anticlimactic in terms of animation but really I thought that I thought that circle was really nice I thought that it, <laughs> it actually 
it actually uh, got across what it needed to get across. It, it it's in very few. Frames. It's it's not bad storytelling, um, but the the animator in me wants to see the stuff. Um, right. But it, it's definitely uh, perfectly fine in terms of storytelling. But um, you know, he's not. He's judging them because he feels like he's qualified to judge them because he is the badass. And I think if we look back on how that scene started, he didn't start the fight. It was the other people. And he was like, well, you want to be examiners. Well, I get to be an examiner too. And then he just sort of kept walking with that. Yeah. I think you're absolutely correct that the difference between Hisoka and Leorio is Hisoka can back it up all the way up. Like anything he says is pretty much true like who's gonna stop him from being an examiner maybe somebody needs to stop him i mean if he was worthy of being an examiner he would already be a hunter you know stay in your freaking lane man i think you i i think you want more rules <laughs> to the hunter exam than there are man no i okay so i we, we talk about doesn't have a lane no he doesn't have a lane clearly um, but he is a candidate, not a hunter. And if he's not a hunter, he can't be an examiner. So who the heck is he to be giving out tests? I think that, you know, we, we kind of go in and out of this um, thing just resonates. You know, that's my personal drama coming out there right now is just do your freaking job. Do what you're supposed to do and let other people do their stuff and everything will be fine. Um, and I think that that's kind of where my head is right now and why I'm mad at Hisoka. I'll bring this back up later uh, when, when, when we talk about lanes and stuff later. Because in the next episode, I think we get a pretty good answer about that. Uh, I mean, we can talk more about the fight. but Oh, so I actually highlighted um, the, the Hisoka Gong encounter as my anime-ass anime uh, scene of, the, uh, of, of this episode. How so? He basically fly fished um, Hisoka off of Leorio. I loved it, but it's completely, completely improbable, completely nonsensical, and at the same time, just so wonderfully put together. And honestly, surprising, right? Because up until that point, Hisoka's just been this Im- invincible badass. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that surprised just because of the nature of the story. I felt like. Uh, Gone has been set up as okay. the kind of golden child, so I wasn't surprised. I do love the fishing pole; it's in the opening, and obviously it was a big part of kind of the the earlier episodes. But the consistency of that being his weapon of choice, I find yeah. super duper delightful. What I noticed at the end of the fight, or kind of as the fight is winding down, is uh, Hisoka comments on the fishing pole and i almost feel like he asked to like yeah he does see it or like look at it and what creeps me out is the parallel between his reaction to the to the violent situation and his reaction to the fishing pole and uh uh i can never say it you guys just say Kalua, man. Kalua. Own it. <laughs> um, you can just call him Bart it's, Simpson. Uh, sorry, man. I just it's it's that East <laughs> it's that East Tennessee in me. I can't I can't say some of these. 
his reaction to the fishing pole was like, oh, cool fishing pole. Can I see it? Um, when they're running through the tunnel and, and uh, I want to say episode three. Um, and it there was something about the way both of them, like their flippant attitudes about the situations surrounding it and just kind of like, oh, that's neat. Can I can I play with that? The, there was a, a synergy and a mirror there in my head. Uh, so I really don't trust Bart Simpson. The exchange was completely different between Kilua and and um, Gong and Hisoka and Gong when it comes to the fishing pole, because uh, Hisoka was um, he was kind of like, "Ooh, I like that," whereas Kilua was more like, "Ooh, that's really cool. Can I try it?" And they say the same thing though, and I, I think I think John has a point that that difference is is important that the difference between Kiloa who seems pretty shady and and Hisoka it really is you know we know Hisoka's bad but Kiloa exists in a different in, in sort of a different space yeah well but there was the, the thing i think the thing that makes the exchange between uh, about the fishing pole between uh Kiloa and Gon for me different than this basically the same line delivered by Hisoka was that it was actually an exchange right you know Gon was responsive and he's like yeah i'll let you try my fishing pole if i can try your skateboard you know um and this this exchange was very one-sided and and i think it also followed the isn't this the episode where hisoka's like "Ooh, i like that look yeah yeah that's yeah. that's after the exchange about the fishing pole that's at the end of guess the guess who found the pervert yeah he's yeah again he's a super creep um and yeah. uh, we don't know that uh kilua is at all but there is there is a similarity in Kalua. Is, it says early on that like the reason he's there at the hunter exam is because he's kind of bored and it seemed like a challenge and it seemed like it would be fun. Does he seem like he's being challenged? It doesn't feel like he's being challenged. It doesn't feel like Hisoka's being challenged, and they both have obviously a different but a similar kind of. I'm breezing my way through this. And I have very little true interest in the well-being of anyone else here. So it's it's almost it almost feels like Hisoka is a, like a, a like a dark foreshadowing of the way Bart Simpson can turn out. Maybe, but um, I, I still think that uh, again, I think that's possibly a stretch. But I was struck by the similarities in the exchange, and it's in the same episode when. And I'm sorry if I'm jumping topics here, but they get eaten by the the frog in waiting. So, uh, you know, Gon and Kalua get eaten by the frog in waiting, and then they get barfed up. And uh, Gon is like, I guess he didn't like the way we tasted. And Kalua's like, no, nah, I gave him the the poison soda. But Kalua also like says something along the lines of, I, I could have escaped the whole time. Like there's a just a little brief little thing he says that that's very much like I I gave him the poison so that both of us would get out of this. Oh, I I, I thought the way that he I thought the way that he meant that was even if I didn't have this I could have gotten out anyway. Absolutely, but it feels almost like but maybe you couldn't have gone, so I went ahead and used the poison soda. Rick, what do you think of that? 
of the poison soda and getting out of the frog. Yeah, of of of, of what that says about Kilua, whether whether that adds to his sort of creepy vibe or not. No, I mean he MacGyvered the shit out of it. I mean, <laughs> you're so trusting, Rick. <laughs> all all these people are bad people. He's following the rules. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, he's supposed to survive the swamp, right? Sure. So, you know, he survived the swamp. Um, and he But used... he's not necessarily supposed to help anybody. Like, Kilua is not supposed to help anybody. And my thing is, is he does help Gon get out of the, the frog. But the way he comments on it makes it feel like he was letting Gon know, like, I could have done this and left you in there. But again, okay, maybe, maybe now you're expecting too many rules. Um, I was earlier. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I, I feel like we're we're doing the Leorio and the and and the the endurance test, right? We're only seeing this one thing when, in fact, it's a much bigger thing. Sure, absolutely. But I mean, in general, like nobody's helping each other out through any of these things. Gone keeps helping his two buddies, right. and even leaves uh, Kalua at one point. You know, just doesn't follow him, and that's when he goes and, and confronts Ahsoka. Um, but Kilua probably could have followed Gon at that point. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Gon's tracking abilities are just too good, and Kilua was like, "Well, I can't find you now, dude. Sorry." But I think Kilua left him. Um, well, Gon Gon leaves him. I mean, Kilua's talking, and he turns around, and Gon's no longer there. So right. But but Kilua doesn't go try to find him. No. You know, and again, that's cool. They don't know each other all that much. They haven't had you know, an extra couple of episodes to bond like the primary three have. It just, I don't know, like there are some similarities. And so I, I don't, I don't trust him. Yeah, I don't distrust Bart Simpson just yet. Mostly because. Well, what, what can you surmise about him from, because he has those two scenes, right? He has the scene with the frog in waiting, and then he has that early scene where he's he's just and I think this is an interesting contrast with Gon, is he's able to feel the tension in the air. He's able to to surmise that being next to Hisoka isn't a great idea. Whereas Gon's like, I don't know, I can't smell anything. I think it's the it's the midi chlorians acting up differently in each of them. Um <laughs> they each have different spidey senses. Because, you know, it's it's funny because I think this episode was also very big on Gon's sense of smell. Um, you know, last last episode we talked about him being the feral savant. And this episode he comes straight out and says that he can smell Leorio from a kilometer away. Or, or maybe it was kilometers away. Um, so, you know, it, that that is very much in keeping with his, you know, basically being like growing up outside and... and being like a little Tarzan, basically. Um, so it fits his backstory. And I think that everything that he that he's done as far as like, you know, his his skills, the skill with the with the fishing pole, uh, the his uh, his sense of smell, his ability to bring people together, even when they hate each other, uh, which we've seen is it, kind of like th those are his tropes so far. And I don't know that I have any real feelings about Kilua other than just kind of being there in, in the same age as, as Gon and, you know, being there because he's on a completely different quest. He's like, challenge me, whereas Gon actually is like, I want to know 
you know, I want to know who my father was. And so, like, I don't, I don't. But we see something else that he's interested in too, don't we? His conversation with Karapika at the end is basically, you know, we see sort of another thing that excites him is that, I mean, he's a, he's an adrenaline junkie, right? Yeah, I mean, that is, but I, I don't know. I feel like that's a first time thing for Gon. But aren't most um, skaters adrenaline junkies? No, but not. We're not talking Kalua for his for for sure is. But Gon says that after he almost dies with Hisoka, he tells Karapika that you know he's uh, he was super scared, but it also was very exciting. Yeah. Um, and that feels like a first. But I feel like that was a first time experience for Gon. I don't. Um, I don't know that you're what twelve years old and catching a fish that is called the master of the swamp that's bigger than anything else around you, including some boats, without having some sort of danger-seeking behavior. Sure, sure, but I think this is maybe the first time that he's actually felt mortal fear, like in the sequence when he catches the the Lord of the Lake. It's fun and exciting, and it's presented in a fun and exciting way. Yeah, it's maybe sure. a little physically challenging, but he's not like he's not like running from the the creature or anything like that. Is this the first time we see Gon way out of his comfort zone? I'd say yeah. I'm interested to know what you what you guys think of that transformation then that that moment of awakening for him because I disagree. Kalua is not seeking. He's not like an adrenaline junkie. He's too cool. He's too cool to be in that. He wants something that's fun and exciting, but what need what more needs to happen for him to get to that point? He just seems completely bored by the whole thing. Well, and, and that's the thing, is like you once you've jumped out of an airplane a couple of thousand times, it's, you know, what is gonna excite you? Uh we don't know his backstory. Um, no, we don't. And that is that is something I, I assume his backstory must be something not necessarily traumatic and sad in the way that some of the other ones are, but something very extreme. I, I just feel like that's probably the case. Yeah. Um, but we have no idea. Yeah, we don't know anything about him. And this episode has some hints in it, but yeah, he's definitely still a mystery. I mean, we, we like, I think the only thing we really know about him is that uh, he's looking for a challenge and he felt the need to immunize himself against poisons. But as far as Gon goes, I don't really think that he was... I never got the feeling that he wasn't right where he was supposed to be or right where he felt he wanted to be. Like, I never got, I don't know, I never saw that, you know, I'm afraid. Um, I, I never got that read, even with the dialogue. I never, I never felt like he was not doing exactly what he wanted to do at the moment that he wanted to do it or, or what he felt he needed to do in the moment. I, I didn't see any of what happened in this scene to, to have been any different than even what happened with the deckhand, right? I mean, uh, I, I mean, I agree that he makes the decision to confront uh, Hisoka, and and I feel like he's in control of himself. But when Hisoka turns the tables on him for sure and is holding him up by his neck, yeah. and says his creepy line, Gone is scared. Well, and we've been talking so much about being worried for Gon because he's going to get rolled, right? And he got, and he does kind of get rolled. Um, and but at the same time, like, 
It doesn't break him. It doesn't terrify him. He doesn't want to drop out. No. He wants more. He does want more. And again, that's that's weird. That's that's that kind of weird, dark uh kind of we hinted at like his dad being kind of an addict to this stuff and it being kind of a tragic way that this could go, and that that kind of feels like that. Well, or or another way to look at it is it's one of the more anime ass anime things in the show where your hero is sort of this plucky kid and you know being being in danger just makes him want to rush forward even more because because that's the thing he does he right, goes forward yeah. yeah yeah always looking for the next big challenge my my other question would be um you know just thinking about how they've built him up so far and and I mean built him up we're talking what five episodes in right one of the first things that we see him do is take on the master, the Lord of the Lake or the master of the swamp, depending on which subtitles you read. Um, right. That, that's the very first thing we see him do. The next big thing we see him do is literally dive overboard to save the deckhand. And, you know, he kind of just counted on, I, I, I'm assuming that he counted on, you know, Leorio and Kurupika just coming to their senses and saving him. Is this an extension of him being so unworldly that, you know, whenever he jumps into these situations, he's counting on somebody else being there to help get him out or somehow coming out okay? Um, you know, does he does he think that he has, I mean, does he think he's charmed? Does he think he has a charmed life and he has a safety net that, that we don't see? Um, yeah, I don't know that he, again, I, I, I agree with you, Rick, absolutely. I but I don't think it's necessarily that he believes he's charmed or he believes there's a safety net. I think possibly because he's just naturally inclined to succeed in these kind of activities that he's never fallen over. He can do these things and it always works out and... I don't know that he was counting on the kindness of the other two to save him when he jumped overboard to save the deckhand. I think he probably expected to hit the water and then just to swim with the deckhand back to, like, I don't know what he thought. He thought he'd catch them. They were like, you could have died. And he's like, no, you guys caught me. Oh, man, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's just like... Ah, I'll just I I know I can at least try to save him. Right, but that's the thing is we don't know how many other times in his in his childhood up until the point that he's twelve that someone wasn't there to grab him. Like we don't know that his aunt wasn't there to grab him when he was four or five. You know what I'm saying? Like right. Yeah. I think he just assumes it's all going to work out. He is naive, and he has been from the very beginning. That is part of the contrast between him and Kalua, the other twelve year old that he's he's running in with now. And that's the contrast between him and Karapika and Leorio as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the... He doesn't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm curious, you know, is he... Does he just think that things will always work out? Is he really that starry-eyed? Does he think he's charmed? We don't know. Uh, or does he... Does he go into these things thinking that everybody else is like him? You know, because that, that could be that could be another thing, right? He's willing to put himself at risk and help somebody and let chips fall where they may, and hopefully he'll come out okay. Uh, and he thinks that everybody else thinks that way, and that's kind of 
why he counted on uh, Leorio and Karipika catching him as he jumped off the off the boat to save the deckhand. He's like, I'm going to jump after him and they're going to jump after me. So here he's like, okay, I'm going to save Leorio from Hisoka and someone else is going to come along and hopefully save me from Hisoka if things start going badly. I mean, do you think he thinks that far ahead? I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but I, I, I don't think he exists in the past or the future. He exists in the moment and he follows his heart and consequences are something for someone else to worry about. God, that's kind of scary. Yeah, he's incredibly selfish. <laughs> I feel even worse for this kid now. <laughs> and anybody who likes him. Oh, yeah. No, everyone's going to get their heart broken. So, I mean, a- as a parent, right? I mean, this is, oh, my God. This is like the most frightening thing I think that any parent goes through at any point in time, which is you you want to protect your kids, right? You can't bubble wrap them, but if you could, you would, right? I'm not a parent. I can't speak to it. But, I mean, John, you, you have... You you want you want both, right? You want them to be independent, but you also don't want them to ever suffer any disappointment or hurt or anguish or anything. And 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 here's here's this kid that we're watching who's supposed to be our analog, but we're too old for him to be our analog. So he's like our kid's analog, and you're and you're watching him like put himself in these situations, and like in the back of my head, if he's my kid. After these things go almost very horribly wrong, I'm sitting down with my kid and going, hey, how did this work out for you? Could it have worked out better? Have you ever been in a situation like this before? How did that work out for you? Maybe we can adjust the things that we're doing. There is no guiding voice for this kid. I am really, really scared for him. Yeah, I mean, for me, you do want to kind of keep disappointment at arm's length for as long as possible. But also I, I have been wanting him to get knocked down a peg in the show because you want them to experience bad things so that when you're no longer there, they know what to do when that happens. Right. This character's mother is non-existent, as far as we know, and father has been gone for a long, long time, but he still does not, he can't sense things. Like, him being naive and Kalua not being naive, that is Kalua sensing that, hey, there's a lot of tension right now, and no one wants to be around Hisoka. We should, like, run ahead so we're not around them and around this tension, and Gon's like, I don't what are you talking about? Like it literally like, I don't know what word tension means. So I, I hope that theoretically he begins to kind of read the room a little bit better. Well, I mean, he didn't do it when he first got into the room, uh, in, in, in uh, when they first arrived at the Hunter exam. Remember? He's like, Hey guys. Yeah. No, Leorio picked up on it. The other people picked up on it, but no, he, he did not. So, yeah, I mean, I think we can pretty confidently say that he's, he believes the best in people and the best in what his actions will, you know, the effects that his actions will have. Do you think that he realized that he almost died? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he says as much. Yeah, I mean, he knew how dangerous 
engaging Hisoka was, but he couldn't stop, you know. His friend was in trouble, or Leorio was in trouble. That's actually interesting that you would modify that statement. <laughs> they haven't said we're friends, and so I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to call them friends yet. Also, they've they've spent several episodes kind of separated or partially separated. Like he's spent uh, the the and Leorio relationship has been built up more over the past couple of episodes, anyways. Yeah, well, I think um, that I think that Karapika and Leorio are more kindred than friends. Um, whereas, and this is me, if Leorio's just an acquaintance, and uh, I see him as competition uh, for a spot, I'm not turning around and putting my spot at risk to save his ass when he's about to get taken out. Yeah, I'll agree with that, Rick. I I, I think that uh, Gon definitely views him as a friend. The problem is, is that I don't know who Gon doesn't view as a friend. <laughs> True. I don't think he views Ahsoka as a friend. Not anymore. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but I, also, I don't know if he sees Ahsoka as an enemy either. I mean, clearly, he knows. He knows good and bad. He knows evil. He knows, right? I mean, he knows these things, right? Does he know evil? Is there any evidence he knows what evil is? There's evidence that he knows what evil isn't with the interaction with the navigators. Right? The Kiriki. He just trusted them. But he knew he knew that they weren't bad. Again, like I don't he he's naive, but I don't think he's like No uh, no, I this has nothing to do with his naivete. I think he can tell whether something is dangerous or not. I just don't know if he thinks of it in terms of good and evil. I, I think he does, at least to an extent. I do think he has an idea of right and wrong. And, and I think that he also understands um, individual intent. Absolutely, he understands individual intent. But I, I really, I, I'm asking this 100% seriously, that at this point, what is your evidence that he knows the difference between right and wrong? That's not completely based around whether he's in danger or not. Well, he saved the deckhand. He didn't have to do that. He comes no. back and he comes back and helps Leorio. He didn't have to do that. No, but the, but I would argue that in both those cases he had personal connections there. Oh, okay. So you're looking for altruism. I'm not just looking for altruism. I'm I'm looking for him laying down any sort of moral moral objection to anything. Yeah, I think, I I think I the, the closest that we get to any moral objection is his interaction with Hisoka, um, where he, you know, this isn't this isn't an accident, right? Uh, th this isn't somebody about to fall overboard. Th this isn't people that he bonded with over an experience. I mean, maybe it is because Leorio's involved, right? But the fact is that he feels strongly enough about what's happening between Leorio and Hisoka that he feels the need to intervene and to stop Hisoka from doing what he's doing. I don't know if that's moral imperative. I don't know if that's like uh, a, an outright overt objection to, uh, to the, the badness that Hisoka was imparting upon Leorio. Um, but I, I think that it, it's a clear message that he objected to what was going on. Sure, he doesn't want... I mean, 
I don't think he wants to hurt people. I don't think he's I don't think he's a monster. I'm just saying he doesn't that that it's all very self-centered, right? Like I said earlier, he's selfish. He he didn't he didn't stop and and run to save the the martial arts chodes. Even though even though those doofuses were picking the fight and probably could have lived had they not. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you bring up a decent point. I guess he had befriended the deckhand before the deckhand fell. So is he just saving his friends and not really objecting to what people are doing to his friends? At least up to this point, I feel like Gon's not a moral character. He cares about his friends, and everything else is just relative. All right, I'm going to need you to define morality then. <laughs> that's 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 a different podcast, you guys. <laughs> that's too deep. That's no, because and and I know that it's like a semantic argument, but I mean, isn't the definition of of being? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just confusing, expanding the the, the definition of moral to to include humane. And, you know, maybe caring for, for your friends is the humane and therefore moral thing to do in my mind. Yeah, but he's not caring he's not caring for strangers. He's not he's not objecting to the morals. When they ask him questions uh about like, oh, I want to be a hunter so I can be honorable and defend my my clan that was savaged by the phantom troop or oh i want to be a hunter so i can be rich and do all these other things regardless of of what we've learned past that discussion in like episode three gone never answers yeah and i would say rick rick your reaction to leorio is a moral reaction right yeah like you you thought he was a bad person in and of himself gone doesn't think like that i don't think I think he's like Leorio's my friend. He's not a creep. He's not he's not he just is. You know, and the same with Karapika. He doesn't think that Karapika had a noble goal or that or that his uh and and Gon's motivations for being a hunter aren't based on any kind of like interest in thwarting injustice or anything like that. Like Yeah, I mean, I think he's not a bad kid, <laughs> but I do think yeah, I mean, I I can see what you're saying, Raimi. He's he's not a moral character. Not meaning he's not capable of morals or he won't express them later. He's a feral savant right now. He's an animal. And narratively, he's not he's not a parable. Yeah. He's not an example of this is what a good person is. Yeah. Um, exactly. Are we saying then that he's amoral and not immoral? Um, I would just say, like, he he has not expressed a, a universal sense of morality. Yeah, it's all relative to him. It's all relative. Yeah, and I think that's just part of the fact that he's a child, and he's a particularly naive child. Um, okay. Probably hasn't been, probably hasn't con- been confronted with many moral quandaries. And so would we, would we agree, then, that Leorio and Korupika are... Very moral characters. Yes, doesn't mean they're right. Don't don't confuse moral. I would even argue that Hisoka is a moral character. That that he makes decisions based on a different scale, on an unseen and somewhat unknowable scale of how he thinks about the world. What he deems right or wrong. Yeah, it's a very different compass than the one I would use, but 
I can, I can, but it is a compass. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's an interesting idea. I mean, it's an interesting topic. Yeah. So let, let, let's keep that in the back of our heads. I think, I think, I think that'll turn into something interesting. Let's talk about the swamp itself, because I think the swamp is really kind of a cool setting. Because because they they totally pay off what Satut said last said last episode. Like that was not an empty threat. If you got separated from him, you were probably going to die. Yeah, this is this is my favorite episode so far. I thought the creatures were really cool in this episode. Yeah, this the the stuff in the swamp is is above and beyond my my favorite stuff so far. And it has nothing to do with plot development or character development whatsoever. It's the monsters and the weird stuff. That's that stuff that crops up in the opening, and uh, we get a little bit of a taste of it with the the Lord of the Lake. But I really enjoyed the um, noggin luggin tortoise, which uh, was like a dinosaur with strawberries on it. Yeah, um, which I wrote down as the Kenny Loggins tortoise. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice, but he's. I finally got that. Yeah. It it rhymes with Nagalaya. His design is great, but I mean the strawberries things is kind of wacky and weird and but when he's like when there's a bunch of them and they're like reaching down and gobbling up the hunters um like I laughed out loud. That's my jam. Um and it feels very much like old um like uh like Harryhausen stop motion type stuff or oh, something yeah, totally. like that. You know, like we're, we're and it's not Harryhausen in King Kong. It's, uh, it's the guy who taught Harryhausen whose name I'll remember two days from now. Oh yeah. Th- thank you, Rick. I just got that. Yeah. It is totally Willis, Willis O'Brien who did the stop motion. Thank you for that. Yeah. I got quick fingers, but there's sequences in, in the old, 1936 black and white king kong where like the the brontosauruses are eating people and it you know like as a child you're like i don't eat meat it doesn't make any sense but they just pick them up and are gnaw on them a little bit and i just i i found those guys delightful um and the ruse raven yeah the ruse raven's my favorite i just that is i, I like how it looks like satotes and and how it says caw in his voice. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> but I love the way it has like a forked tongue, like a lizard. It's a, it's a fun looking little weird bird thing. So no, I really, really, really like uh, like those guys. How about you, Rick? Did, did any of these stand out to you? I mean, I, I like the Kenny Loggins tortoise a lot. But <laughs> honestly, I, I thought the creature's... There was a bit of like a Digimon, Pokemon type of feel to the creatures, um, okay. which uh, I just kind of dug in general, uh, but nothing like just the absurdity of the creatures I thought was great. Um, and, uh, you know, the the fact that we finally got to see some of these monsters that they're always talking about in the uh, in the opening was sort of interesting, although I don't really think that these are the monsters. Uh, but they're definitely some sort of monsters. Um, but like, there wasn't anything in other than the the, the frog that ate them and then puked them out. There wasn't anything that that really struck me as 
too special about them. Uh, the sequences were great, but nothing. I like the the frog and the tortoise are relatively unique, but I I also like how several of them, including the ruse raven, were just like regular animals that they had like just made look a little mean, or just or, or just had weird powers. Like the hypnosis butterfly. Yeah, 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 which was just kind of like a butterfly, and it was very kind of like a, a Mothra-esque, Butterfree-esque kind of a, a vibe. But also the the little squirrels and the other little animals at the end that are kind of like eating the corpses, which is just goofy. Um, but they were just, it, it was like a, uh, the they just had fangs on them. Yeah. Right, or horns. Right, or horns. Um, It's like a, in like... Uh, really crappy old like 60s and 70s B movies where it's like, oh, it's a dinosaur and it's really just like an alligator that they've like super glued a fin to its back. Right. Um, like it has that feeling. Of, so some of them like, you know, the tortoise and the frog, they felt very like unique and they did have kind of like a uh, Pokemon, uh, Digimon kind of a, these are based on real things, but they're different kind of a vibe. And then other ones like the squirrels were like, these are some squirrels so we put some vampire teeth on. So it's it, it was fun. It was definitely fun. And even though, you know, in in the context of like the story, it, horrific, but it was fun to watch. And, and again, it was a really enjoyable episode. That was enjoyable. The confrontation with uh the clown was enjoyable. Like this one was a fun one to watch. Before we started, Rick, you you wanted to talk about uh whether Hisoko is a double agent, right? I'm confused. Um, and like I like I said earlier, you know, I want him to stay as lame because I don't like being confused. You know, are you a double agent? Uh, you know, are you really, you know, did he actually pass the Hunter exam last time and the rumor just kind of propagated so they could plant him? Well, I mean, we know Tompa was there. Yeah, but we also know that Tompa is garbage. Yeah, but he doesn't seem to be a liar necessarily. <laughs> That's our t-shirt, you guys. Tompa is garbage. Tompa is garbage. <laughs> no. Trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> Copyright. Mail it to yourself. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. One thing I do want to talk about, uh, and it should be quick. This is the first time that I watched the episode with dubs instead of subs. And one of the things I was really disappointed about is the dub for the opening. Um, it goes through that whole narration, and then it ends with hunters. It's like there's that whole buildup. <laughs> and, and the, instead in, of the in, hunters! Yeah, instead of hunters! It's hunters. Like, really? It really, really felt like it... I watched this episode with the, with the dubs, and it felt so anticlimactic compared to the, uh, the subtitled opening like hunters actually has a like there there's like meat to that word in the in the original opening and in the english opening it's kind of like they're called hunters yeah i just i don't know if like like i agree that they're that the that the that they're different i just don't know if that would play as too cartoony at in 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 english like like that that pattern. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a good point, uh, Ramy. 
Like, I think it's just a difference in between how what's acceptable in Japanese and what's acceptable in English. Yeah, for me, that feels like it probably wouldn't be too cartoony, but that somebody had that thought. Yeah. We're literally talking about whether an imported cartoon with an English opening will sound too cartoony. <laughs> well, I mean, considering that we just talked about whether Gon is a moral character for like 20 minutes. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't market this stuff to people the appropriate age for it, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the age that this is marketed to in Japan, it's marketed to an older audience over here. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not Pokemon, you know? No, but it was just, it was just really, really weird. Cause I'm so used to the, to the, to the Japanese opening where it's build up, build up, build up, and then hunters. And it's like, build up, build up, build up hunters. I don't know. It was a little <laughs> disappointing. Um, See, and I, I I don't know. I feel like you can do that. Like, they failed. I, I don't disagree with you, but I feel like there is a way to build, 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 and then heighten by lowering. Like, well, think of The Undertaker. The wrestler? Okay. Yeah. But sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes it's, you know, it's always like, this guy is so amazing. He comes in at this and everybody go crazy. But then... For like for like certain guys, it's sort of like this guy is amazing. We're coming in it, blah blah blah, and blah blah blah. The Undertaker. Yeah. You know, like 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 that drop is something you can do. I think they did it badly here because this is more like this is more like a rock buildup. Like you don't want Dwayne Johnson to walk into the ring and say, "Um, so can you smell what the rock's cooking?" <laughs> I mean, oh, man. you know, that's right. that, that's really what this felt like when I watched it with okay. the dubs. Um, nice. It's it's very much like, hey, Pokemon, you, you got to catch them. You catch them all. Yeah, go, go catch them. Catch them all. Thank you for listening to Say the X. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Say the X Pod. Write us at saythexpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is saythexpod.com. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Say the X theme music by Jake Cook. Check out his band Seal Pup's newest release, I Bleed Pop. Next week, we'll be watching Episode 6, A Surprising Challenge. See you then!